The Lord give strength to his people. The Lord bless his people with peace. Amen. Advent is a time of preparation. You at Zion put this on your church pyramids. You just can't miss the word prepare, the way of the Lord. You might know, too, the word Advent means to come, but you've got to be clear that it's not like any old thing that happens in life. Adventus, from Latin, is about an arrival or an approach. What is to come belongs to something or someone that is especially awaited. So going out to get the mail like I did yesterday is not an advent. Even though they may have Christmas cards, it's not an advent but a routine. The doomsday scenarios all laid out by science and on the movie screens today also show, as you know, a final advent of destruction. And yet this coming of the world is not an especially awaited thing and even trying to be avoided. People, though, do long for an advent to come from maybe a newly elected leaders. Reformation times did have an advent arising with the gospel light that had been rekindled for centuries lost. This nation from the Revolutionary War held the advent of a new era with freedom. The season of advent for the church then of what is approaching is about the preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. And here's the key thing, and his glory. Of course, as he was already in the world hidden within the Virgin Mary before his birth at Christmas, he is present already now with us by the Holy Word and sacraments in the church, even before his glorious appearing. This awaiting then during Advent includes a penitential call for our lives. That's why you use purple, not just the blue here, which is a good thing. It's more of the ancient thing. It means then before we see Jesus, it's to hear from John the baptizer. And so other people in this time of the year might be kind of weird. You Lutherans start out the Advent season uh, ending the church here, and then you start it with this Hosanna, the son of David, and now you're talking about John the Baptist. It's all out of order. What are you people doing? Well, we're greeting our Lord who comes. You see? The last and greatest prophet of the Old Testament, John, ties penitence to God's purpose of salvation. It's for us to anticipate far more than the law but the promise embedded throughout the Old Testament that would come by the gospel. Stirred up hearts by God's word means fruitful life over the coming reign of Jesus Christ. And so we expect John to come and stir up hearts. This isn't a new story for you. It's an old story. And both, of course, most certainly when he did come, it was a surprise. But it wasn't something waiting to happen. 
because it was already promised by the Lord that it would happen. The Apostle Matthew wants us to know Isaiah saw it 800 years before John's appearance. And so he puts Isaiah right there, who says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. This preparing or making straight paths by what Isaiah says is summed up in one word by John. Repent. A word truly echoed, as you know, from God throughout all the Old Testament to his people, Israel. The call of repentance still stirs up hearts, and this is what we are to expect it to do. In a society like ours that likes lots of options, right? What are the options? There is none, but only to repent. Sin goes against God's law. As we confess, as we confess continually, we always come and we say in thought, words, and deeds, and these things even hurt our neighbor in countless ways, a true darkness that messes up life. And yet, more than having sorrow over sin, repentance is a little bit more, my friends, it means a change of mind. And if you want to go one step farther, the really strong sense is to be converted to something totally different. So, those before John were baptized then confessing their sins. And so the baptized, as we know, with hearts stirred up, confess and return to our baptism. If repentance is over the law, remember, it includes the lack of trust in the promises of God's word. And that, I think, is what we've lacked more today than just behavioral problems, being a bad person kind of problems. We lack trust in what God says for our life now and forever. Do you realize that God is at work today by grace in this church? And it does it, and he's been doing it, and he'll continue to do it as promised. Do we believe these promises that every day of your life is a gift of God? The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. We don't believe those things very well. We do try to save our lives by our works. We want things by our standards. And we miss with that a recall of repentance that trusts in God's promises. So, what comes unexpected then is not to repent by John, but him saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was the promise bound to happen before, because God promised a greater king to come with salvation. Again, Isaiah saw this glory long ago. He really, truly saw it as God placed it before him. And he said, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. The stump of Jesse was David's father. And the reality that the whole line of David was cut off 
because Israel would be judged by Babylon and there would be nothing left in the line of David. It would be shattered to pieces. So no one could notice that line anymore. But God was to bring of that kind of a judgment someone greater than David. To say the kingdom of heaven is at hand is John recognizing such a kingdom came with a king who had all authority. Kingdom refers more to this, not a place, but truly a power, a reign, a rule that is present. So the reign of heaven, you could say, was at hand because of Jesus. Not the baptizer, but Jesus was the unexpected gift of God in our flesh at last to deliver forgiveness, life, and salvation. But guess what? When John said these words, he didn't know who Jesus was in terms of the Messiah yet. We'll hear more about that next Sunday. Just take heart to know first. John knew a kingdom was coming that had a mighty king and his rule was already at work in the world. Advent is a penitential awareness. Can we repent to be aware how Christ now comes into the world having fulfilled all things with God's love for humanity? What is at hand, or we could say drawing near with the kingdom of heaven, comes now by how the king is presently reigning among us. It's not his glory on the last day. You're going to notice that kingdom, and so will the whole world. Don't worry about that. But Jesus remains in unexpected lowliness, similar to how he first came to draw near to his cross. So now this king reigns by his word, you see, found in a lowly church, that today the world would offensive because of what is preached in truth and purity. And this world will also quickly pass you over. Just like when Jesus was born in a manger. But God was at work, reigning. And yet this preaching of Christ then does speak sinners forgiven from the wrath to come. Shepherds would go back rejoicing. Wise men would return to their kingdoms of glory. And yes, even sinners would hear forgiveness from the cross. He is the crucified king having borne the fires of judgment in our place. His reign comes to create and sustain faith in him and through unexpected servants. He works using meager things like water, bread, and wine. Things that a visitor will quickly ignore. And so we have to confess what that means. Fruitfulness includes expecting the unexpected with the coming reign of Christ. That's the big thing for us at the present age. With the drawing near of God and his kingdom, there was no room for fruitless ways. John labeled the Pharisees and the Sadducees captive to the devil. Did you get what he called them? He called them a brood of vipers. Vipers are snakes. Satan was a serpent. So he's telling them, they belong to the devil. They came to his baptism, but saw neither God's reign of grace nor the present need for that grace upon their lives. 
Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. It wasn't because the Jews didn't know how to repent. That was actually a practice of the Pharisees, a way of repentance. But it was all for show, not for the truth that looks for the promised Savior who would save and forgive sinners. There was no expecting to repent, nothing unexpected over God's reign promised by his word, and so it left fruitfulness with them completely impossible. Not because of the law, because they didn't believe in the gospel. Unprepared by faith in the gospel left them with no good at the present and waiting for no good future to be cut down like a tree. Thanks be to God, that is not you who have ears to hear and eyes to see. Against the unbelief of our time, the baptized are to be fruitful, expecting the unexpected, since Christ's reign is at hand. Jesus brought healing into the world, didn't he? In so many countless ways, miraculous ways. And now by the way of the cross, he keeps extending an unexpected kingdom of grace into a world of unbelief. So certainly we need counseling. We need the things we understand that helps a person's life and the traumas and struggles they face as sinners, addictions, and anything else. But Jesus' kingdom brings a healing word of forgiveness. His kingdom stands ready to pull people out of the darkness that just can't be fixed completely by man's works. This king is active to restore that kind of brokenness over sin and death making known his name among the nations. And what is that? For with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and with equity the meek of the earth. Today we're confusing that today. We're making the meek as if it's a good thing to be a sinner, and we want to empower and protect sinners, and that's not what we're talking about. The meek are the ones that aren't winning by the way of the cross. That's you. That's others who are suffering from the poverty of our sinful world that is making laws and ways that are against God's grace and what he says is good for life. So Jesus' reign leads us then to pray, thy kingdom come, counting on our heavenly Father as the catechism teaches to give us his Holy Spirit so that by his grace we believe his holy word and lead godly lives here in time and there eternally. A godly life is not just a good life of being a good person. A godly life is knowing where to go. When there's nowhere else to go, where do you flee, my friends? When your works fail you and your works don't look so perfect, who comes for your good? One mightier than John has baptized us with the Holy Spirit, and his word is even approaching to change us today, even as we wait for him. This is what's so hard. Because Jesus comes, and his word does change things. I had a parishioner long ago tell me, Pastor, this is never going to change. 
for this church or with that person. Can't teach an old dog. New tricks. In the way of man, that's true. In the way of God, through his great poverty and love, he changed everything. And he's changed your life by what you hear today, this day, for your good of sins forgiven and life in his name. Advent is looking beyond Christmas, don't forget, to the promised Christ coming upon the world right now. And even more. The old will last give way to the new. Creation risen again and ordered by a true king of peace. Do you hear what Isaiah is saying in our text today? The lion is going to lay down with the lamb? That's nuts. That's not going to happen in this world. Get over that. That's about a new creation, a new way that's going to be possible, not by our hands and not what you see today. A child's going to play next to a snake then? What parents raising that child? This is about a new heavens and a new earth. The resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. That is the kind of life you live in today. A new life that has no end. And so Luther writes these words. Will you turn his words around and say it's not your redemption but your condemnation? Will you flee from your salvation? Will you not greet God who comes out to meet you? nor thank him who greets you. That's what you receive in the sacrament. No greater glory, no greater comfort given for life as Jesus goes with you in his body and blood in a world that is changed by him and even changing even now through you with that witness of the gospel. Stirred up hearts by God's word means fruitful life over the coming reign of Jesus Christ. Amen. The God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.